Yorkie in the pistol. Now Collins stands next to him in the shotgun. Yorkie asks for it and now has it. Yorkie will throw across the middle. Got it complete. Cody Rice behind the Wolverines. He dives. Touchdown, Michigan State. He split the defenders and the Spartans strike first in Ann Arbor. This is Spartan Red Zone, your source for the best MSU and college football analysis, picks, banter, and anything else going on in the college football world. Here's your host, Brian Collins. SRZ, Ryan Collins, Joseph Andrew, Nathan Cerns, Eric Bob, back at it remotely again. But how are we doing today, fellas? Just tired, man. It's a hard, it's been a hard week, let me tell you. It's a lot of a school. Week. A lot of school for the student journalists uh, in Michigan State right now. Yeah, yep. brutal. Yeah, depends. Dandron's cutting out, just brutal Wi-Fi. No, nothing, li- I mean, can't expect more out of Dandron, I guess. Great start to the show of juggling. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, no, it's just been rough, man. It's The right, Wi-Fi's rough. I'm not feeling great. It's been a rough. It's been a rough couple of days. I went three and six last week again. Thanks. I know Joe's kind of choking an SRC pick, and we'll take a look at the standings a little bit later. But I mean, season's winding down, boys. We only got one more Big Ten regular season game, and then I don't even know if they're gonna do that cross division thing if everyone has COVID, right? Well, they'll give it. They'll give it the old college try. I guess. I mean. I mean, who would Michigan – I think Michigan State, like, right now is projected to match up with Purdue. They got COVID issues. Like, on the west side – like, I don't know who on the west they would play, maybe. Like, Wisconsin if they win this week, maybe. Wisconsin if they lose, maybe. Why? Is there some Because I think – well, Iowa and Northwestern would both be ahead of Wisconsin. Oh, okay. And could be Minnesota if Minnesota wins. Could be Nebraska. Depending on what happened, that those two play each other this week, Nebraska and Minnesota. One of the games on the pick'em, because we we on the show cannot figure out Nebraska. So nope, we cannot. And I just a full blown Scott Frost like stand, and he's just not good at coaching, I guess. So that's been a tough <laughs> look for me this year. Nate, this is very off topic, but you've been you've been at home the last couple of weeks, and your background you got like a Dale Earnhardt like thin. Are you a NASCAR guy? That's not a background. That's a hood. That's a hood that my dad gave me for my eighth birthday when we went over to Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah, I was. Not as much anymore, but you can't grow up in Charlotte and not be a NASCAR fan. I mean, we lived, God, three miles away from Charlotte Motor Speedway. We were right by Z-Max. I mean, then within like a 20-mile radius, you have Hendrick, Childress, Gibbs. Uh, we They had uh, the Wood Brothers and uh, Brad Doherty racing in the same town. So you kind of had to be. You just named you. maybe 15 names that no one in this show will absolutely like even understand. Yeah, Brad Daughtery, Brad Daughtery has really made a career for himself as NASCAR. a NASCAR after playing basketball. Yeah, very good Cleveland Cav. Very good Cleveland Cav. I was just oh, wondering, Stearns, because like I like I I watch NASCAR. I'm like I feel like it would be fun to go to a NASCAR race. I don't know if I could do this weekend week out. I feel like it would be pretty fun. There are, it's an experience. That's, there's a lot of, you, 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 the, the stereotype of NASCAR being a bunch of 
undereducated fans is not completely inaccurate. I mean, you get a lot of people like out of the boonies. I mean, there are a lot of rednecks, a lot of rednecks. I mean, it's it, it just it's just how it is. It's just how it, I remember one time. Oh, this was probably the 2009 Coca-Cola 600 or the 2010 Coca-Cola 600. These seats are tiny when you ever go to the Speedway. And I'm sitting there and the next to me, there's this guy's got to be 400 some odd pounds, like spilling over to my seat. So I'm just like pressed against the wall and he's just he has like a like a Dasani water bottle and he's just spitting tobacco and spitting it in the th- oh. four and a half hours. It was the worst. I mean, <laughs> you see that all the time. I mean, you know, the rednecks running around with Bud Light and no shirts off. Yeah, they used to camp in the infield outside of turn four. They had like this giant campground and you would drive by it after the race and it looked like a bomb went off. I mean, you had tons and tons and tons and tons of trash because you get there a week before the race and it's just a giant drunk fest. It's kind of like what Faster Horses is at, at MIS. I mean, it's that level of just inebriation and intoxication, but it was a good time, you know? It was a good time. It was a good time. I'm not going to lie. What, is, what a pivot. That what was unbelievable. Pivot. Looks like a bomb went off. Blah, blah, blah. Inebriation for weeks. It was fun. Yeah, had a great time. Had a great time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, my mind wanders, but I think we, first thing we got to get into when we're talking college football, big news came out of the Big Ten yesterday. Kevin Warren, King Flip Flopper, decides to put Ohio State into the Big Ten championship game. I'm going to be honest, I wasn't, I didn't care either way because my personal opinion, if Ohio State plays one more game and it wins, they're going to be in the playoff regardless who they play. And I don't know if you guys have any different dates. I don't think it necessarily matters in this weird year if they beat Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. Like, if they beat Iowa or they beat Wisconsin in the little crossover game and say Indiana played in the Big Ten Championship game, I don't think they would affect them. Like, is that just me? Well, here's why it does. Here's why it's fine that they put them in the Big Ten Championship game because they're basically, basically like in golf, having a two shot lead going to the 18th hole. Like, even if Ohio State loses to Michigan on Saturday, if, if that game were, was actually going to happen, obviously it's not, they still would go to the Big Ten Championship. So, like, playing is it has no bearing on whether or not they would qualify for the Big Ten Championship because they beat Indiana, and that's the, the game that matters. Um Indiana so, fans are, like, pissed. I don't get it. Like, I, there's, they, that's, they have no right to be pissed. They they lost to Ohio State. They got like this whole. Big Ten, if you want to go to the Big Ten championship game, beat Ohio State. That's like, that's what you got to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was gonna say, Eric. I mean, they the Indiana fans in general, that program in general has like this big chip on its shoulder, and rightfully so. Yes. Great, I mean, that great year. But no, they you know they, they, has, they don't rightfully so have a chip on their shoulder because they're good for one year, and they think that they can like jump up and down and like call them crown themselves yeah. the kings of the east division when they lose to ohio state like it kind of oh, reminds ohio me state in some ways of like Indiana. it, it kind of reminds me of Indiana. ucf which i was a which i was a ucf stand it kind of reminds you of them wanting to be in the in the playoff when they went 12 and 0 i mean granted they'd be auburn but if they had to play alabama that probably they probably wouldn't win that game so it just makes me think of that a i'm bit. tired of indiana just do you, do shut you up think... and take your medicine indiana you're not there yet you got but one I, one half of a good year, so let's just pump the brakes and figure out 
whether or not you can actually keep this up. But at the same time, do you do you guys buy into the theory if this is another school in the Big Ten, say it's not an Ohio State, Ohio, Ohio State or a Michigan, that they do this? Say no. Indi- say the rules are reversed. Indiana is five and zero. Oh. Do you think they still the Big do this? Ten? The Big Ten's goal is to get a team in the college football playoff. If yep. If that was if it was Michigan State that was undefeated and had beaten Ohio State and beaten everyone else but didn't have enough games, they would have changed the rules because the Big Ten is better off when one of their teams is in the college football playoff. If it was Penn State, if it was Michigan, if it was Ohio State, if it was Indiana, if it was Wisconsin, any of those teams would have gotten the same treatment that Ohio State just got based upon their standing throughout the country. I The one thing I, I understand – both sides. Like, I understand Indiana. It's like we met the criteria. This is a rule you made before the year. But at the same time, like, it's not like Ohio State had a huge outbreak on their team. Like they had two games canceled that weren't like it wasn't their fault. Like, like there's nothing you can do about that if you're Ohio State. And, and say they missed two games like because of their COVID outbreak. Maybe I get it. Maybe they only play four or something like that. And then Indiana, I think, maybe has a better case. But yeah, I mean. I didn't really care. People were getting so mad about it. I was like, who cares? And that, that's kind of like the thing with Michigan, Ohio State. I had the same feeling. They're like, oh, Michigan's ducking them. And then you're just like, oh, why? Like, I, who cares regardless? They were going to lose by 40 anyway. Like, like it, it was a certainty Ohio State was going to win that game. And, like, even if Michigan, like, did play, like, what did you – like, I don't know. I don't know why people, like, cared so much – about that whole like storyline, like oh, Michigan's purposely ducking Ohio State. Maybe they are. Who cares? They were gonna lose by forty anyway. Like it's not like taking away the satisfaction from Ohio State in the back of Michigan fans' minds. They know they're gonna lose by forty-five if they played this weekend. So uh, like, give me the like you say, oh, nice, nice move by Harbaugh, like very spiteful. So Ryan Day and the Buckeyes can't beat Michigan during the Big Ten championship. Guess what? They're gonna figure out a way to get them in the Big Ten championship. And guess what? Oh, Michigan fans and actual like Michigan fans will be like, well, we were going to lose by 45, so we get no satisfaction about this anyway. Sorry. I just had to get that off my chest. Michigan fans, there's Michigan Michigan's fans are not the ones either. Like they're, they're constantly they're not, under attack on this show. Well, I'm not even going after Michigan yeah. fans. It's more like Ohio State fans and like even some Michigan State fans who are like, oh, Michigan's done. Like, Maybe they are. Who cares? Nobody should care. Like, like this game was not going to mean anything anyway. It's a good point. No, I, I, I 100% agree. I don't know. Yeah. It just, I, I don't know why it pissed me off so much this week. I was like, who cares? Why are we talking about this? Michigan's irrelevant this year. Until they figured out what's going on with Harbaugh's contract, don't talk to me about Michigan because they're irrelevant for the rest of the year. Is that fair? Fair. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay, let's move into Michigan State. We'll go back into some national news a little bit later because there wasn't much going on in the Big Ten this week. But Michigan State, I mean, this looks horrible against OSU. Uh, 52-12, get a late safety. There you go, Michigan State special teams. Snap over the head, get you an extra two points. But, I mean, Mel crushed his team effort just like he, he you could tell he was a little bit fed up with – a couple that what was going on, but I'll say this. They lost by 40. I didn't think they like quit or gave up at any points in this game. I just think Ohio state was way better. And even though they were depleted, once you start watching Lombardi 
and the defense hits one or two stops and plays a little bit hard, and then you go out and have three play drives back to back to back, the game's over, and you're giving your defense zero chance in this football game. That's the matter of the fact. Mel can be mad at his players all he wants. He was the one who made the decision that Rocky Lombardi was starting that football game. And, and we'll get into Peyton Thorne, but obviously once Peyton Thorne came in, it's night and day. And I understand they're playing prevent defense, but it, it, there's just an eye test. I don't know what's going on at practice, and I'm, I'm giving Be- Mel the benefit of the doubt this whole year. I think he's done a fantastic job. This has been a perfect year, almost a perfect year one for Mel Tucker because he's built it on the culture. He has a couple wins he can hang his hat on and go and recruit. But, you, like, at the same time, you have to question some of the talent evaluation skills that Mel Tucker might have if he's going to continue to put Rocky Lombardi out there if there's better options behind him. I've already said I told you so enough times about the Thorne Lombardi thing, so I'm going to defer to Stearns this week. Well, we all said last week we weren't like they won, but why is Lombardi in? Like that, we all said that. No, you said Lombardi was good, and I said he went 11 to 27. That's what happened. Well, he made good <laughs> plays last week. They used them in a correct way, but like against elite level talent, he's never going to be productive. He's never going to be productive against anybody. That was pitiful. I mean, that was the kind of performance that you just want to bash your head into a wall with. I mean, <laughs> me and Bach have been saying that Thorne is the guy. It, you know what? Even if he's not the guy, what do you have to lose? Yep. you got to give him a fair shake. That's the biggest thing is, do I think he's going to be a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback? No. Do I think he could possibly be decent? Yes, I do. But you're never going to know until the jury's still out on him. The jury's not out on Lombardi anymore. We know exactly what Lombardi is. And to be fair, some of the play calling, and I'll get into this a little bit later, but running an off-tackle run on fourth and three with eight in the box, it's like – The 30th time this year, too, and it's just zero times. Run. Oh, I – it's just – oh, really? This is this is what we're doing now. Like, throw the ball for the love of God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> some of those third and fourth and short runs kill me. Absolutely huh? But I, I also think part of it, too, you saw the playbook open up when Thorne's in. I mean, I'm starting to think Lombardi's not Jay Johnson's guy. I mean, just – Well, he clearly is if he keeps on starting. I Like, we've always, we've always complimented on Rocky being a leader and just like a good guy. I, he's obviously a guy I think a lot of the people in the locker room like. And if you've talked to him at all, he's a very nice person. Yes. But very nice. But at the same time, it's – and we've said this – on and on, and I hate to beat a dead horse. He's just not the guy, and he just cannot start for this football team any longer if you want to develop this program. And I'm not, and they might go on the transfer portal. They might have a, a freshman come in and start next year. You still need to see what you have in house this year, especially in a COVID year. So I, I'm just, it's just, it was unbelievable to watch him. And I hope he's doing all right because that injury was a little scary, to be honest. He, he wasn't like moving. It looked like it could have been a head, but it ended up being a shoulder, I think, right? Yeah, it was. And Mel, Mel, we, Mel on Tuesday said that he's feeling better, but that they're not sure he's going to be able to play. So I don't know. I yeah. mean, well, you know, he's going to hold his cards close to his chest as he always does. I wish Rocky health and prosperity, but it might be. The, it might be for the best if, for Michigan State if he's not able to go Saturday. So Mel doesn't even have a chance to consider starting him. Yeah. Hey, and, and Bach, I want to follow that up with this. Uh, I was wrong 
about all of him, about him, about Lombardi. Just totally wrong. It's not good. That's all I got. What do you mean? What, what take did you have? I don't even remember. Because last, last week. He's like, Lombardi, huh? I don't even. Yeah, that's actually pretty accurate. It was just me yelling his name and sticking my hands up in the air. <laughs> and it was and it was very showy. And I was just yelling things that I had nothing to back it up because he had, you know, completed 40% of his passes on the season. But, hey, who cares? He won a, game, he won a big game. I was the eye test for me. 29-20. Well, I mean, I mean. MSU literally, like, the punting, I, I mean, one positive, I think the special teams was a little bit better for Michigan State than it has been in previous weeks. But you got a lot of repetition, so that's probably why. You punted 10 times. I mean, it is freaking practice for Behringer out there. So, I mean, it, what was that? Was that my computer? Okay, sorry. Something just happened in my earphones that I just got very confused. We're, we're running into all in a, just a, all sorts of technical issues today. <laughs> No, but at my last point I want to say about the Thorn and, like, talent evaluations things with Mel Tucker, like, he, he – I think last week he came out and said, I recruit for Ohio State because that's the bar. And that's how it should be. If you're a Big Ten, like, program, you got to recruit to try and beat Ohio State. They're the, they're the top dog. And, and, and Michigan State, with the investment they put into Mel Tucker in this program, that's what should be the goal, to win Big Tens, like, win Big Ten championships. It's not – I'll never believe that Michigan State is capable of maybe winning a national title. Like, I'll never believe that. They are capable of winning a Big Ten championship. They've shown that in the past 10 years. So, if you're going to try and do that, and, and, and some of the guys who are getting playing time over younger guys and guys that uh, have not seen the field as much, I just don't get it. I, I, I And I hate to be the recruiting guy and base everything off that. You got to get Julian Barnett some looks at corner. You got to, you got like, Kalan Durbin has not been horrible. There was, like, he he got beat a couple times, but a couple of those throws were fantastic by fields. Like, nothing you can do. I understand that. Shakir Brown's been fantastic. I understand that. They got to play more guys in the secondary. I just, like, I I think their front five or six have been pretty good since they've gone to this 4-2, whatever defense that they kind of run with Hazelton. Like, they got pressure against Ohio State. I understand it was against a third-string, like, offensive line, but they were getting pressure. Like All that, those dudds are four- and five-stars, though, on yeah, that third-string yeah. offensive line. So, it's not like – that Ohio yeah, State's third-string offensive line, at least from a recruiting standpoint, is probably stronger than most of the offensive lines Michigan State's have played this year. Yeah, but, look, so. they got – they got the – like, there was pressure on Fields the majority of the day. They I, – I understand they couldn't bring him down. I mean, Fields is an elite talent. He's going to be a top-five pick. I just – and I, I, Connor Hayward, another guy, he's been fine. He's been fine. I, I think people have been too critical of him. I really do. At the same time, you got to give Eli Collins carries. You got to give maybe a Brandon Wright some care. Like, I just, you got, in this COVID year, I just, that's the one thing I think Mel has not done a good enough job playing the younger guys and seeing what you have going forward. I think agreed. I think that's that they, fair. Jordan Simmons was dressed on, Saturday and didn't see the field either. Um, he's been he had a couple missed a couple games due to injury, but obviously they really liked him because he was getting the lion's share of carries. Yeah, uh, the first couple weeks. So obviously, so was that, Chris Jackson. I'm gonna say Chris Jackson was healthy and dressed. Him, he was one of the was out a couple games and comes back and Angelo Gross and Kalan and Shakira have taken his spot, but. I, I, I mean, Angelo Gross has been one bright spot as a freshman. He's He looks like a oh, yes, guy. Yes, of the freshman. Yeah, and, and 
he's one guy you've been like, oh, he's a, he's gonna be a player. We talked about that last week. He was really good against Northwestern, and you could see it against elite talent like Ohio State. He looked like he belonged out there. But I mean, moving into Penn State this week, I I, I think this is actually kind of a big game, and, and, and I haven't really not because it's for the ugliest trophy in college football, not because it's like, oh, you're beating Penn. I just think this is a big momentum game in sense of your program. I I, I don't necessarily – because you don't really know if you're going to play in a bowl. You don't really know if you're playing next week in that Big Ten crossover thing. It's nice to finish off on a high note. And, and, and winning on the road at Penn State would be a nice way for Mel Tucker to end his first year. Yeah, and to yeah, finish three four, I mean that would be the biggest thing. I mean, in this year, you could if you told me they could have gone three and four, especially based on the stop and start of the entire Big Ten season. I think we all would have taken it. I mean, this is a Penn State team that not they look better, but this is this is for standing. I mean, this is a standings game. This is a game where. This is going to separate who probably finishes at the bottom of the Big Ten, depending on, well, I guess with Michigan out, you know, they're, they're at the bottom of the list too. But, I mean, this is an, going down to Happy Valley, beating a good team, a coach that's had a lot of success in the past, you got to win this game. I mean, in the big, you got to get the bitter pill out of your mouth because that was just a horrible performance. I've never seen Mel that mad in my life. I mean, he was furious. I mean, he said he well, was. They got embarrassed. Be... They got embarrassed. Oh, I, I yeah. know he did, but I mean, yeah. when they lost to Iowa and when they lost to Indiana, he wasn't even as irate as he was then. He was mad. Probably had something to do with the fact every every Ohio State drop back when Fields was either in the gun or in the pistol, the snaps on the ground, and he magically runs for fifteen yards. That was you can't incredible. even get the snap back, and you still get a first down every time. Yeah, like, that's, gonna annoy you. that's gonna annoy a DC and a head coach. And they ran into a team in Ohio state that had a ton to prove nationally too. Like, you know, Ohio state needed to look good on Saturday to convince people that they still belonged in that top four. And they certainly did that. I mean, they, there was no mercy, no calling off the dogs. I mean, I, I would have done the exact same thing if I were Ohio state, I'm not criticizing the Buckeyes, but I mean, Michigan state just was a victim of circumstance in that regard that Ohio State probably could have called off the dogs a lot sooner than they did had they not needed to prove themselves so uh, profusely in the, in the national eye. So, I mean, that was another another thing that Michigan State had up against them on Saturday, too. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a huge reason why they just continued to pile it on. And the right. team is just – there's such a clear, clear difference between the two programs. And, I mean, Ohio State will do that to you. when they, I mean, when teams in the Big Ten play Ohio State, that shows – but especially teams like Michigan State, it's just super clear the talent level is just mad. There's, I mean, there's a canyon between the two of them. Okay, so let's and contrary to what contrary to what Peyton Thorne said, that was a measuring stick game. Him saying that there are no such thing as measuring stick games is kind of a lie. That oh, for sure. is that is a game where you see how far you have to go. If you're a young guy, you see how wide the gulf is between Ohio State and you. When a team's running out your third, if you don't, if that's not a message to wake up when a team's running out a bunch of offensive line, a new bunch of new offensive linemen, they're sliding their left guard over to center and running out everybody but the water boy, and they're still running for 300 yards. I think they ran for 325 on the game. What, then get out. 
I mean, that the proof was in the pudding. That's a very good wake up message for Michigan State. It really is. And, and that's a good transition. We can talk about Payne Thorne a little bit more in depth. I mean, he. I, we saw him a lot in Indiana, and you saw that pocket presence, and you saw that mobility that he had. I mean, he had a really nice run there. I, I don't know for how long that went for, but it was creative. It showed vision. He, I mean, started off 11 for 11. He was accurate. I think there is questions if he can throw the football downfield. You really haven't seen that so far. And, and maybe if he gets a full start, full week of preparation, maybe you see it this week in Happy Valley. I'm not going to act like this guy's the Messiah and he's the answer. He hasn't shown me that much. Uh, going 11 for 11 against prevent defense, and you're just – Jaden Reed's going for, out for five-yard outs. Like, it, it's just playing, like, in the backyard for these guys who went to high school together. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not going to go crazy about that, but he's obviously better than Lombardi. He's obviously – how many more games Michigan State plays this year? Obviously needs to be a starting quarterback. I just – like – I feel like they have ever since the first two weeks, they have not utilized Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor in this wide receiver core as much as they should be. And, and when Thorne came in the game, it kind of felt like, oh, they're starting to get other guys involved. Like you saw Trey Mosley pop up, who had a really nice freshman year last year. Like you haven't heard from anything from him this year. I understand he got hurt during a Rutgers game, but like you haven't seen him in a while. Like let's get him involved. Yep. Hey, maybe Dotson gets the ball. Like, maybe Gillison gets the ball. I know they haven't been playing the last couple of weeks. Maybe Hunt gets the ball. You know what I mean? Like, you get everyone involved. It's not just one guy and one read. You could see he was going through his progressions. And I just it, – it, it, it's just – it's almost demoralizing sometimes when Rocky comes out because I, I know he's had three, like, what is going on performances where he's just beating people with deep balls. But, like – you're like, I know what's happening. It's a one read. If he doesn't have that read, it's going to be a sack or he's going to throw it up for grabs like it, or be inaccurate. So to see other young guys involved, it's encouraging. And if for a Michigan State like, program who's looking for improvement and what they're building on for the next year and the next couple of years, you want to see that. I don't want to see one guy get targeted like 15 times. I want to see the ball get spread out. And I think Thorne does that a little bit better than Lombardi. A lot better. Yeah, Thorne is just clearly, I mean, he's more mobile. He, his decision-making is better. His accuracy is better. I mean, it's just like every box that you check as far as quarterbacks go, Thorne is better than Lombardi. So the fact that we're still, you know, wasting our time trying to turn Rocky Lombardi into something that he's not, it's just – it's wow. frustrating if you're if you're a supporter of Michigan State. Like Peyton Thorne needs to be the guy. I mean, and, that's just yeah. And Thorne wasn't perfect. I mean that uh, no. that was a tu- that was a touchdown. I think to Jalen Naylor if he puts it on the numbers right after Michigan State got a little momentum there, caused a fumble in Ohio State territory, and you throw an interception the very next play. I mean that, that that's an easy pitch and catch for a touchdown. It looked like so like he's not perfect. Like that like this guy's not your Nets. Like he's not the Nets Connor Cook. But as we've said a million times, you just have to go with him. Or I don't even care. Just put three Theo Day in there for the second half this week. I just want to see what they have. Noah Kim season. Yeah, why not? Get, throw in Noah Kim. Throw in Eli McClain. Shout out Eli, Eli McClain. Seventh grade basketball, bud. It's right there. Eli McClain, stud. 
But, uh, yeah, that was basically the Michigan State-Ohio State game. We'll talk about the Penn State game a little bit later and, and, and a little bit deeper of a dive, but we'll go around the country right now. Top six remain unchanged in the rankings. Iowa State up to seven, I mean, just made zero sense. Absolutely none, especially considering – that Coastal Carolina beat BYU in pretty convincing fashion. And Nathan Stearns has a lot of things he needs to backtrack about his Coastal Carolina take. Yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, I'm a big <laughs> enough man. Dude. I thought that was going to be a 49-10 to 10 game, and I that was impressive. I mean, they made Zach Wilson look mortal. They made Zach Wilson, even though hopefully he sets up home in Carolina for the next 15 years as the franchise quarterback of the Panthers – um, You're already out on Teddy? Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a huge sidetrack. You're out on Teddy? Teddy doesn't know how to throw the deep ball. That's the biggest oh. problem. DJ Moore's DJ Moore's running open 85 different times. And he, I mean, and he's got like he's got 14 touchdowns, the nine interceptions. He's been good, but he's not great. I mean, DJ Moore's running free dump off to Samuel, dump off to Samuel, dump off. Like he's a good. He's a good player, but, I mean, to get to where you want to go, he's not going to get you to where you need to go. This I mean, the same guy who didn't like Cam Newton, who won an MVP and went 15-1 and one and got his team to the Super Bowl in Carolina. And, but still doesn't like him. He was used to like Cam Newton. No, I, I, I – yeah, I'm not I'm not a big Cam Newton guy. Never have <laughs> Never have been. Hey, man. That's crazy, I wish I, but whatever. My okay, team that, Super that's Bowl, a coast of Carolina. I'll let you. I'll let you get your apology out, Stearns. Yeah, they. Uh, that was impressive. I thought BYU was going to roll them up one way and down the other. I mean, how many times do you see you buy into the quote-unquote mid-major school sort of thing, and then they get whooped because you ain't playing anybody? I mean, you can go out. You know, you're you're going out and playing the middle school located behind the college when you're playing Troy and you're playing Southeast Alabama and everybody else. But you know what? That was impressive. Wire to wire. They looked like the better team. BYU, that was one of their first real challenges of the year, and they got a big fat F. I mean, Coastal Carolina, that's an impressive win. That is a program-building win, and I did not think that was going to happen. Can I make a counterpoint? Neither of those teams are very good. Oh, okay. I don't want to hit. No. Whoa, 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 whoa. BYU obviously was exposed exactly what Stern says. Their first real, their first, like a big test of the year, they get a big fat F. And Coastal Carolina is good. They're, they're, they're okay. But throw Coastal Carolina on the field with like even a team that's a little bit down this year, put them on the field with like Oklahoma State. It's not going to go very well. I don't know about that. I don't know. I I would disagree as well. I just grabbed a random team, put them on the field with Wisconsin. It's not going to go very well. Go chance. That's all I got to say. Go put chance. Them on the field. Hey, give them Bama. See what happens. We're giving too much. We're giving Coastal Carolina, in my opinion, too much credit for beating BYU on the left. Came up a yard short of winning the game. Like, let's not, let's not pretend like it was some type of curb stomping here. Like, well, they, I mean, I, I but think the, for much of that game, Coastal Carolina was, it seemed, they were in control. Okay, well, that doesn't – I mean, BYU was within one yard of winning the game. Yeah. So, like, yard. no – so, we're giving Coastal Carolina far too much credit. And I'm glad the playoff committee didn't move them into the top ten. So, you're happy Iowa, Iowa State's in the seventh spot? I'm not saying I'm happy Iowa State's in the seventh spot. I'm just saying that Coastal Carolina does not deserve – 
to be in the top 10 because I don't think they're really that good because I don't think BYU is really that great. Zach Wilson's very good, but BYU's uh, offensive and defensive lines to me were. Wilson, Wilson, he's got a big arm. He looked kind of shaky at times in that coastal game. Um, That was my perception. He definitely was rattled. And I mean, I I think Bob put it in the dock. 94 at the end of the half almost murdered him. Yeah, he should be arrested. That, like, I what, love, what is the referee Easy. doing? That was unbelievable. What is the referee doing? That well, game was he chipping. runs in there. He runs in there to like pro, air quotes protect the quarterback, and well, there's no not even a flag. Like no, yeah, no. Come on, guys. We gotta get. We gotta figure this out. We gotta. Uh, we gotta figure out that you know Coastal Carolina. Realizes that Zach Wilson's BYU's only chance to win the game and will do anything they can to get him out. I mean, yeah. my God, that's what that was. That was an attempt to injure the quarterback. It, it, and anything, anybody calling it anything else than that is living in a fantasy world. I agree. What's it called? Also, I just want to say that was a fantastic football game to watch. Oh, my God. It was, Pro- it was probably the, I would say, other than Notre Dame Clemson, the best college football game this year. And I'll say one thing, Coastal Carolina's offense is so fun to watch. The little triple option thing that they do out of the shotgun, their quarterback, I didn't know he was a freshman either. Like, McCall's a freshman. They're going to be good in the next couple of years. I, I, I mean, they'll probably lose a couple of pieces along the way, but I wanted to get this. I mean, we were all wrong about BYU, I guess. But, like, I don't get Iowa and Iowa State continuing to climb, but Indiana doesn't move after going on the road at Wisconsin with a backup quarterback and winning by basically like two touchdowns. Like that game was, that game was never in doubt in Indiana. The committee obviously doesn't respect Wisconsin at all. Yeah. Which like, I mean, why should they 13 points in two weeks on a team that was a preseason top 10 team? I mean, Wisconsin doesn't deserve any respect from the committee. So obviously Indiana was hurt by the committee's lack of respect for Wisconsin. Does Wisconsin and Iowa play this week? Yes, it's on yes. the pick'em. Okay, I just I, I I I just don't get it. I feel like Indiana deserved to move up this week after what they did in Man. You could say Wisconsin's down this year. They're still a pretty solid football team year in and year out, and that was an impressive win without your like lifeline and starting quarterback Michael Penix. Like I, I that and there were two touchdown. Underdogs. There were fourteen point dogs, which I thought was ludicrous. That was. Ludicrous. I mean, that was crazy. I, we all said that last week. There were two touchdown dogs, and they controlled that game throughout the. I mean, for sixty minutes. So I, I, I don't get what the committee is doing with Indiana. Like they don't deserve to win the Big Ten. I do deserve they. I do think they deserve to go to a New Year's Six Bowl this year if they win the rest of their games on their schedule. Is that fair to say? And they're in the position where I don't think they're going to go to one. Uh, yeah, I mean, because you make a good point because they might probably won't, I would say. I guess depends what North has. Ohio State beats Northwestern. I don't know. But Indiana is the second best team in the Big Ten. I think that's yeah. obvious. And, and that's, the, that's the problem is because they lost that close game to Ohio State, they're not going to have a chance to play and beat a team like Northwestern, you know, because that would put them probably in New Year's Six. But that's I, I, just, yeah. I just think they deserve to be in a New Year's Six. I think they've been a top ten team all year. I just – I personally think that. And whatever. I mean, I, I. by the way, if Indiana wins one game, I'm kind of getting sick of it. I like Tom Allen. 
I got to watch a whole video about how the players love Allen so, so much. I get it, guys. You love your coach. He's good at his job. I get it. I'm kind of sick of every it. In Bach, you it's made every this week. point like it's a every month week. ago. Every week, you made this point. And, and oh, Eric Bach was right. Yeah, we know. And <laughs> and so you you made the point, and I didn't really notice it until every time that dude talks to the somebody after a game, he cries. I love that. Anytime. Though. No need. It's it's just football. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. No need to cry about football right now. I'm sorry. He, he's like, no need. He's like getting tackled by his players while he's trying to do the post game thing. Okay, well, leave the coach yeah. alone and let him answer the questions. All right. It's but just the it's other thing so, I thought was funny. And he was just like, I love these guys. And it's like that's all he says. Them. And then he watches them. Like, well, yeah, good. good. I don't I, mean, I, I don't watch those hype videos. I watch those hype videos and I want to transfer. But I don't it's doubt that Tom Allen's a great coach and that his players love him and that he loves his players back. That is not in question here. What is in question is the is this facade that he puts up in the press conferences. He's got like big time PJ It's completely disingenuous. It's completely not genuine. Like it's cl- so clearly for social media and for recruiting purposes, which is fine. I guess you got to do what you got to do for recruiting purposes. But I think some perspective about like what's happening in the world right now would be, would be nice. Like that, you know, not to take a dark turn here. America is just keep setting records for COVID deaths every single day. And we're crying about how much we love our football players. I mean, come on people, let's, let's figure it out and let's yeah, but that's decide. Like, that's football coaches. They don't think anything outside the game of football. They're, those people are insane human beings. I, Eric, you're completely right, but they, to expect like a football coach to be a normal human being is a tough task. You can say you love your players. Your players can say they love you without turning it into like a weep fest every single week. I agree. That's what my point Man. was. <laughs> also, also I'm, Tom Allenson get like a lifetime deal from Indiana. They they yeah, love I, so much in Bloomington. My roommates and I were talking about that, and it's like I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know. I was not very aware that he was an Indiana alum, apparently. Yeah, and he, he, he's he, going to be there forever. He's probably going to be there. He probably will be their best coach. If he continues winning at this level, obviously, he'll probably end up being Indiana's best coach when it's all said and done. I mean, Indiana, I wouldn't say they're like a sleeping giant. like, But Indiana University is a very cool campus, and, like, they should be able to compete, like, reasonably in football every single year. But, I mean, shout out to Tom Allen, I guess. Got his boys playing. Luke Fickle, bad COVID luck since he's going to get hurt. But it still looks like their position to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. And I think it helped that they that BYU lost a Coastal last week. So I, I think since he's still, like, in that space, well, they'll probably get the Fiesta Bowl or something like that if that is to happen. So, I mean, and I think that's all since he really wants, to be honest. I I, I – I don't think they're a playoff contender. And I, we haven't really talked about Cincy a whole lot on this show. Cause I, I, I mean, the Americans down this year, like it, it, the American is not what the American has been the past. I think five years, you usually have three or four really good teams in the American. I think you got like two decent teams other than Cincy in the American. Yeah. They Cincinnati, you know, Memphis was their saving grace last year as far as competition goes. And that's not the case this year. So, um, yeah, you're right. The American is, is and SMU down and last week. Yeah. SMU was like, yeah, since he's best one. So I don't know. Not they need to set up that coastal Cincy game. Well, since he's had COVID issues, 
So since he can, so since he can beat him by three scores, yeah, okay, that'll be good. I again, yeah, I'm, Mark, I, I'm not gonna stand for this Coastal Carolina slander. They're ten and zero. Yeah, and one and zero against teams that are any good. What about Lafayette? What about Louisiana? Lafayette? Wait, not Lafayette. Where's it? That's that's it's just Louisiana. That's Louisiana. the hill you're gonna die on. That Louisiana well, was a I good mean, win. Well, they hey, beat the Raging number, Cajuns. Yeah, they beat the. If that's the hill you're gonna die on. Colin, I'm gonna die on because you. you're not gonna convince me. He's gonna in America, and they lost to Louisiana. And Coastal well, Carolina second in any respect for beating we just, them. And we just got done. We just got done talking about how Iowa State should not be the seventh ranked team. I am, in the I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So just we're saying. we're going in circles here. I know. I know. I'm becoming a full-on Coastal Carolina fan. I j- just because this becoming podcast. you are one. Okay. They've endeared themselves to the American people. What can I say? Go chance. Go chance. The average American like myself. Also, average last Joe. question. At last question, uh, Bot put this in, and I think this is a really good question. I actually do believe this. I think if Florida beats Bama in the college football playoff, Ohio State's going to get left out. Well, it's going to be either Ohio State or – so this is what – this. these are the scenarios if Ohio State gets left out even if they win the big 10 championship, which they're going to against Northwestern. So we're just, all these scenarios are under the assumption Ohio state wins against Northwestern. Yeah. So Florida beats Alabama, Florida and Alabama are both in. So then it'll be down to Ohio state and the loser of Clemson and Notre Dame. If Notre Dame wins and Clemson gets a second loss, Ohio state's in Clemson's out. But if we all, Clemson we all, beats Notre Dame, yeah. Then Ohio State's in real – if Florida beats Alabama and Clemson beats Notre Dame, Ohio State's in real trouble. Yeah, I think we're all under the assumption, though, Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame, right? Or is that just me? Or I'm just, not. You're not? You think Notre Dame could beat Clemson twice? I, I do. I really do. I disagree with that. I like Notre Dame, man. I'm, a, I'm a, as much of a Notre Dame stand as you are a Coastal Carolina stand. They're good. They're a lot uh, talent wise. Like Notre Dame's been good the past like ten years under Brian Kelly. Like they've been consistently good, talent wise and like speed wise. This is like the most national power team I think they've looked yes. in a very long time. That's why they finally have gotten into twenty twenty. Like they have speed on defense. Yeah, I mean they have a they have a, they have all they have all the ingredients to make the college football playoff in twenty twenty. They have really good skill guys an experienced quarterback that's been to the playoff before yeah dudes that just pin their ears back and come after you on the defensive line and an opportunistic secondary that creates turnovers i mean those are the ingredients and notre dame has every single one i and i'll say this like notre dame's been producing nfl players like especially off these offensive lines they got a pretty good a couple pretty good position players in the league right now claypool but like I think there's going to be a lot of guys who play on Sunday on this Notre Dame team more than usual in oh, the yeah. Brian Kelly era. That's yes. just what I personally think. So I, I, I agree with you there. I just think with Trevor Lawrence, Clemson's just is on a different level. But like, if Clemson blows out Notre Dame, is Ohio State in? Or do you keep, do you keep Notre Dame in? But See, that's – I, I, I agree with I agree with Stern, no. but I don't think that's what undefeated, they're an undefeated do. Big Ten champion. That's it. They're an undefeated Big Ten champion. I mean, even I, even if they played four less games. Yes. Yes. Well, I do. none of this, Ohio, none of this is even going to be a factor if 
Alabama wins the SEC championship, which they're probably going to. Yes. But I mean, so if I'm an Ohio State fan, I am pulling hard for Alabama and I'm pulling hard for Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. But regardless, if Alabama wins and the Clemson Notre Dame game is competitive, no matter who wins, I think that's your four Alabama, okay. Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. They'd probably rematch too, because I think you'd probably move up. I don't know. Would you keep Bama no, at one? They'll put Bama at one. The winner of the ACC game will be at two. Ohio State will probably be at three. And the loser of the ACC game will probably be four. If no, if Bama loses though, and say they play close, oh. yeah, what I, I think that would wouldn't that just be like a rematch of the two games that just happened? I don't think they would want that, but I think if you're doing no, it based on rank, yeah, I know they would avoid it, but based on rankings, it probably should be. I don't know, that'd be an interesting kind of like storyline, maybe if that happens, but I don't know. Wanted to discuss that a little bit. That was actually good discussion. We don't really have good national discussions on here usually. It's usually just us talking about how we don't watch the Pat 12, but hey. S or Z, we can do a lot of things on here. Let's move into our weekly awards in honor of Michigan State playing Penn State. The S or Z, Daryl Clark, Offensive Player of the Week. Very underrated Big Ten quarterback at Penn State. Very good with Derek Williams. Legend at wide receiver at Penn State, too. That was actually a pretty good football team. Uh, I'll start us off. Grayson McCall, quarterback, Coastal Carolina. He was awesome on Saturday. And, and – the decision-making and, like, he had some toughness. I, I really like McCall. And that Coastal Carolina offense is so fun to watch. It is it is just a really cool system. You don't really see a lot of people do that. And, and I'm a big fan. So, Coastal Carolina's quarterback, Grayson McCall, is my SRZ Daryl Clark Offensive Player of the Week. Go ahead, Stearns. All right. I went – with uh, Mel Tucker saying he was going to be sick during the post-game presser because that was one of the best lines to ever include in an article whatsoever. I don't know. It's just I, – I like it more because under Mark, he got used to whenever – toward when he when he phased out the last two, three years, it was always, we just got to execute better and we just got to play better and we did some good things, we did some bad things. Mel was just come hell or high water. I mean, it was just scorched earth. William Tecumseh Sherman, all that stuff. I know Eric gets the reference, but um, oh man, my favorite he reference, absolutely irate. I don't care who who we're playing; you can't lose by that game. And he just—that's what you want to see. I mean, he was getting fed up with the inconsistency. That was the message of the whole post-game presser: was how can you, you beat Michigan, then you score seven points the next two weeks? You beat Northwestern. And then look like you're on act school the next week. I mean, that's the kind of things that can't happen. And it was nice to see the raw emotion. You don't get that very often from coaches. I mean, there's just a very raw sort of feel. And he he was mad. He was mad as a hornet. So well, had to I, give him a shout out for that, for rightfully blasting the team because that was pitiful. Well, I Stearns, I'll actually disagree with you. I think D'Antonio did that all the time. Like, I think that was a staple of D'Antonio in the presser trying to speak to his team. Like, Tucker is as cookie-cutter as it gets in pressers. That's probably why you're so excited that he actually kind of, like, showed some personality and actually, like, showed what actually he's thinking. Like, I thought D'Antonio, while he was quiet sometimes, I thought, like, he he was never afraid to pull punches. 
No, but I, Mel's more lively. Like Mel, you get the coach speak, but it's the very lively. You know, that's a fair. very good question. You know, it's not the dry and whatever. It's not the dry and whatever. But you, especially on those Tuesday media media availabilities, he's normally happy and upbeat and talks about. Oh, I, just this week it was. I love being with you guys, and I hope you guys stay healthy. So when you go, when you see a guy like that who's normally happy and jovial, and then he turns around and is ready to punch a hole through a piece of drywall. That's the, that's the message, you know, because I would not want to get Mel Tucker angry. That is a big dude. Yeah. He's a big dude. I would agree with that. I mean, D'Antonio was like the dry smile and he's like, we'll see about that. And then he like wince at like someone, but yeah, I get what you're saying, but I, I don't know. Tucker is sometimes a snail in this post. Like I don't understand what he's saying in this posting pressers half the time. Okay, my SRZ Daryl Clark Offensive Player of the Week is Justin Fields. Despite all of his accolades in his 1.8 seasons at Ohio State, he actually set a rushing career rushing record on Saturday against Michigan State. Over 100 yards center. rushing. He can. Yeah, lots of broken play rush yards for, for Justin on Saturday, but he's slippery and uh he's good man. i'm just gonna keep it i mean everyone knows how good he is i'm just keeping it short Wait, justin fields do you think hey bob do you think there's a conversation to be made that like hey fields or lawrence like do you, like or do you think lawrence is so far ahead of fields mm, i don't think lawrence i don't think it's just a foregone conclusion that lawrence is ahead of fields i, I don't. don't disagree i think that i think that lawrence will probably rightfully so get drafted ahead of fields just because of his physical attributes but I don't think just from a pure playmaking perspective, I think that Justin Fields and Lawrence are right there together. I mean, Lawrence is going to get taken first in the draft most likely, but Fields is right there with them in my opinion. Am I crazy? I think Fields might be more accurate than Lawrence. Like I think Lawrence has better arm talent and he he makes probably the smart. I think Fields is very accurate. If he doesn't make super bad decisions like he did against Indiana – like he's usually right on the money. So those two playoff games in 2018, when Clemson won the championship, though against Notre Dame and Alabama, I don't think Trevor Lawrence missed a throw by an inch. Yeah, he was in those two games. I mean, I mean, those are against those are two playoff games too. We're not talking like just the ACC. So I'm interested to see what Trevor's final curtain call is this year because if he can get back to that level, then I think he's going to that 2018 playoff level. I think he'll be able to separate himself a little bit. And then it kind of hurts Lawrence too. He plays in the ACC, not a lot of competition the last couple of years for people True. to like, to like display his talent. Thank God. No got... Lamar Jackson's to play yeah. against. Yeah. Like not like Deshaun. And I don't know. The ACC has been down for a couple of years, but maybe if Notre Dame stays in there permanently, it'll be a little bit better. But Joe Dandron, who you got? And I want to add on to this, man, a duel between Fields and Lawrence in the playoff in that first game, it was like one versus four house. That would be, or I guess it would be two versus three. We would got be it incredible. And two. Justin Fields, yeah, I know. Oof. I thought Justin yeah, Fields just rubbed my hands just thinking about it. Um, But so my SRZ, Daryl, 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 Clark. Daryl, Daryl Clark. I didn't say right. Offensive. Okay, that's not surprising. Shocker. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was a shot, Collins. Um, offensive there. player of the week is Sam Thompson, the 5'9", 300-pound center from Coastal Carolina, who I, after the game, found – I was scrolling on Twitter and I found a uh, feature story on him from The Athletic, from Andy Staples of The Athletic. And quite the story, 
I mean, their run game has been incredible all year. He was, a, I mean, that offensive line is a big reason why the run game is so successful and was successful against a really big BYU front. Um, and one of the shortest guys you'll meet, I mean, playing probably playing center in Division One college football too. So just a cool story for him. And just, uh, I mean, he's a South Carolina native as well too. So just cool for him as a graduate student to start at that position. I definitely, yeah, that's okay. all. I like that. I like that. Dandron, I think you got a little bit – you have more creative pits than me, Bach, and Stearns usually do. Me, we're, me yeah. Bach, and Stearns are usually like football, football, and then Stearns throws mean guy for his unit of the week usually. But, uh, okay. Okay, let's move on to it our – It helps when you don't have any idea what you're talking about. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, does. <laughs> that is a good point. That is a good point. Okay, we move on to our SRZ, Trent Robinson, defensive player of the week. Shout out Trent Robinson for being the most average, strong safety, I think, in the history of college football. Wouldn't kill you. Wouldn't like be a fantastic, like just a solid player. Shout I, out Trent so Robinson. did you pick this, him this week specifically because of what he did against Penn state back in like 2010, Michigan state had to win at Penn state to clinch a share of the big 10 championship. And he intercepted the ball in the end zone and then ran it out and fumbled at the end of the game. And Penn state got it back and got another chance. Like I do remember that that was maybe the king of boneheaded plays and it happened in happy valley so that's why i figured you picked him for this week i didn't think about that but i do remember that that was a very weird game there was also like multiple like keith nickel like throwing touchdowns i think that game yeah it was it was an interesting game to say the least that that was a weird that was a weird year that 2011 because you're like this team's like good but they haven't really played anyone and then they played alabama in the capital one bowl and got absolutely murdered so right Shout out that 2011 team. Shout out Trent Robinson. I'm going to go first. Chase Surratt, linebacker. I don't think I said his – is it Chaz? I think it is. What you typed in the doc. I – I Surratt, whatever. He was a quarterback for Larry Fedora's last year. I didn't really – under like my brother was telling me this over Thanksgiving because he's obviously a big college football fan too. And he was like – I'm like, he started – like I've heard like people were like, yeah, he was a quarterback, but he was like the backup. They moved to linebacker. I didn't realize he started, and he's like fifth – and college football and tackles. I just want to give him a shout out this week. Yeah, I went with the entire Miami, Florida. I went with Miami, Florida. Their entire defense for making Duke look worse than usual, which is pretty hard to do. I mean, 48 to nothing. Duke got run off the field. I mean, I know Duke's terrible, two and eight on the year, one and eight in conference, but anytime you shut out a Division One opponent, it's impressive. I mean, King and King killed the entire Duke secondary. That was impressive. And I like teams who spank Duke. That's another reason. I've always had a vendetta against Duke. So, oh, go Canes. I'm following Stearns' lead in this award category and giving a defensive player of the week to incompetent offenses. So I am picking Michigan State. That's all that needs to be said. Michigan State offense, 10 punts, two turnovers. SRZ, Trenton Robinson, Defensive Player of the Week. Does that mean – all right, so – excuse me. SRZ, uh, Trent Robinson, Defensive Player of the Week. It is going to be Jackson Player from Tulsa. He had oh, – uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, Bach. We're already, we're already spiraling out of control over here. So he's a D lineman, and it's funny because I saw the name and I recognized it. And, Bach, it's because – he was the best defensive player on Tulsa when MSU played mm. them the first game we ever broadcast. Yes. Together. Yes. And, what, a, and what a night that was. 
Yeah, right. That was a fun game, man. And that was 12 tackle. He had 12 tackles last week in a win and two sacks as a D lineman. So, hey, shout out Jackson player and a throwback to Tulsa. Yeah, shout out to Beautiful Tulsa. night. Beautiful, beautiful night. By the that way. was a beautiful night. Gorgeous. Striped the stadium. Can't beat it. I mean, Michigan State played horrible that game. So they did. Those like bat to bat years. You're like, are they don't lose to Utah State or Tulsa? Like, that's not good. But hey. yeah. They won, it and it was a nice game. Eh, whatever. Wish we had that now. Hey, eh, can't. <laughs> Why'd I burn that up? I don't know why. That just made my <laughs> just made myself sad there. Okay, SRZ, Joey Ellis, Memorial Frame slash Unit of the Week. We'll start off with Nathan Stearns because I feel I have a feeling this could turn into a rant. Yep. We're going to go with Jay Johnson running the ball on fourth and three. There's a nine-man box, and we have seven blockers. So what are we going to do? Run the ball. I mean, oh, that was the – I wanted to punch something. I really did. I'm happy that I've learned to keep my composure somewhat in the press box because that was the worst play call I've ever seen. And when you are, what, six games through the season now, and your entire offense – on third and fourth and short, people know you're going to run the ball. It's like, do something else. Run a bloody – I never thought I'd say this. Run a jet sweep or something. But running it off tackle behind an offensive line that is abysmal, oh, my God. Some of the some of the play calling this year has just been horrendous. I mean, I think after uh, that OSU game, Michigan State is the third worst offense from a points-per-game aspect in the country – they're like 124 out of 127. So, yes, a lot of that is talent-based, but some of that's on the coach. Some of that's coaching when you're that bad and you can't even average 15 points a game. Some of that's on the coaching. I mean, it's just some of the play calls this year made me want it. <laughs> and, and for the people who are listening to this podcast, Stern's just clenched his just clenched his fist like he was about to choke something. So just to give you a description of how he felt there, we'll go to Eric Bach for his SRC unit of the week. I went with Haskell Garrett of Ohio State. I just, I like to stay in the game that I call because that's the one that, you know, I'm. You're actually making a logical, like. Yeah. Which, you know, logic, logic goes out the window on this podcast. But um, Haskell Garrett got a big man touchdown, tipped the ball up to himself and then made an interception while in the end zone after Drew Christman, who was all, who was a, the close runner-up for this award for me this week uh, after he, I believe in two games at Spartan Stadium, he's uh, punted the ball inside the MSU five-yard line seven times, if I'm not mistaken. So um, Drew, uh, or excuse me, Haskell Garrett, big defensive lineman for Ohio State. Got to give love to the big men when they score a touchdown. He's my SRZ Joey Ellis Memorial Frame Unit of the Week. That was, by the way, the most obvious. Like once Mission State got pinned inside the one, you're like they're thro- they're throwing a pit sets here. I like oh, yeah. you're like <laughs> the you defensive knew defensive score coming. You know, yes. you just knew it. You knew yeah. that was coming. Uh, for mine, I'm gonna say Gruff Sparty. We didn't even touch on this. Mission State got the Gruff Sparty helmets this week. 
They're going like what? They're going green helmet, white jersey, green pants, and then black shoes. I wish they would go back to the white shoes, but I mean, I can only dream now because that's a Mel Tucker thing now that they only wear black cleats and white socks now because that's what the traditional powers do, even though Michigan State's not a traditional power. But whatever, we'll stick with it. Let's try and be BAM on USC when we're not BAM on USC. But hey, that's a gripe for another day, but those helmets are fire. And they're kind of blowing up on social media, honestly. I like, one thing I'll say, all those like concepts and designs, my roommate said this to me too. I'm just happy they didn't go with like the big, gruff Sparty, like on the side of the helmet. Like, it's just a cool logo. Make it simple. Just put a small one on there. It's cool. And I, I, I like it. Like, it, 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 it's not like the neon or something. It's not too flashy. I don't think it was ever meant to be on a football helmet, but it's fire. So, I don't know. I like those. Any takes? I, I, I'm as yeah. you don't like them. You don't like them, Bob. No, I do like them. I do. I just can't find it in myself to get that excited about uniforms. I really can't. Really? Like I'm a huge call me a guy. call me a boomer in that in that way. But I just I like them. I think they're sharp, and I think the gruff Sparty is a great look. I really when you, do. When but, you just said sharp, Bob, you just outed yourself as maybe the oldest person in the face of the world, like Earth. These yeah, uniforms are fine. sharp. That's something my dad would say. Come on. Well, don't be this. We don't need any Kelly Collins slang. I won't. I won't. Yeah, I mean, that's probably what he. He's probably gonna touch me later. He said, "Aren't those uniforms sharp? Like literally." But, <laughs> well, I mean, whatever, yeah. man. So you know, I just can't find it in myself to get that excited about uniforms. I, love I don't know. Uniforms. That's I, it. I, I feel. I have a feeling Stern <laughs> feels the same way as you do. Yeah. No, he's right. Tell me what you can do on the field. I don't, I don't care if you look like the most pretty bunch of guys that ever walked on the face of God's blue ball win. I don't – all that what? extra aesthetic what crap, that I don't mean? give them. On the no, face of it, God's it, blue ball. It's important. It's important. I, Who cares what you look like? If you're winning, I'm happy. If you, you don't win, I'm not happy. It's pretty much all go. it comes down to. That was, in, that was incredible. That, that was incredible, Sarah. Okay, Dan. Where'd you who, go, Joe? Yeah, Joe has <laughs> turned off his camera. I, I I don't know what's going on, but sounds Joe, like you, he's in like a like a, a tunnel or something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he's obviously on the move. I don't know what he's doing, but uh, can you hear me? Can you hear yeah, me all right? I, I can hear you, JD. But J, uh, who do you? I, I like who you had for your memorial frame slash unit of the week. Yeah, I mean the the Chanticleers. If that's how you say it, I actually have no idea how to say. It. Chanticleers, chandeliers, um, they, I mean, just, that was one of the, that was one of the most fun times I've had watching a college football game. That was a with great my, game. Because just like the whole like gimmicky offense that they run, the mullets, the fact that that was a nationally televised game between two mid-major ranked opponents and it had a lot of hype behind it. I felt like by the network ESPN. And they also had the best sideline guy for college football doing the game. Just a wonderful, wonderful. And Ooh. it was in whatever, uh, the Southern guy. Oh, they had uh, Mar- Marty McGee. Smith? No, McGee. No, the other one, McGee, Ryan McGee. Ryan McGee. Oh. He is good. He doesn't really do sideline a lot. He's more of like a storyteller. He is good. Yeah. I, I agree with you. But dude. whenever he does sideline, I love it. And I mean, just like that whole, just everything with that game was just awesome. And I just a hey, shout out to the shots clears for giving everybody a great Saturday evening of college football. I, I got to get my hands on a mullets versus Mormons shirt. 
Great that shit. was probably the best part of that entire thing and the multiple fights. That was, yeah, <laughs> that was enjoyable. I did enjoy those, but yeah. Okay. The, Joe Dangin for it. I mean, Joe every week is this, I mean, it's a roller coaster. You never know what you're going to get out of the kid and mid show turns his camera off and we have no idea where he is. <laughs> you might be like, where did you, I'm assuming where are you're in you? the car. You're in the car, right? Yep. I just, I'm where are you going? Go, I'm, I'm going to pick up my lunch. Oh well, my you couldn't have waited till after the show was over. They closed at two o'clock. Oh Where are you going, Bruders? It's Lansing. It's fine. Goodfellas. Oh no, the Daily Bagel, downtown I, by the Gavel. I mean, okay, I mean, I mean, just why would you most... go all the way that far? I, 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 I mean, there are so <laughs> many things. There's so many things wrong with this. Like we can't. We don't have time. This is, I mean, just one of the most selfish moves I've ever seen in the history of the SRC podcast. And just sad, just really sad, to be honest. But we'll move on to the pick'em with all this going on. I mean, Joe Dandron needs his everything bagel instead of good quality podcast. But hey, I, I now, just, now he's going to use when he goes three and six again, he's going to use the fact that he was driving in the car as an excuse of yes. uh, why he was bad. So on the SRZ pick on last week, JD goes three and six, still in the lead because Nathan Stearns went two and seven. Where was that was that? awful. Oh, I, I I absolutely was terrible. That was the worst week I've ever had doing anything. That was. <laughs> and Eric bought, I went, yeah, I went five, five and four. four the last two weeks, and I'm like right thrust myself right back into it, going five and four two weeks in a row. Like that shouldn't happen. Stern, Stearns and Bach are one game back from the lead. And, I mean, the overall records are still pretty good for you guys, like really good for you guys. Joe's is 36 and 24. Nate and Eric's is 35 and 25. That's, like, really good. That's, like – and then, of course, me, lonely at the bottom. I went four and five last week. I'm 26 and 34 overall, 43% clip. Not great. But, hey, we got a couple more weeks, and then maybe we got a bold extravaganza. I can get myself back into this. You just got to believe. So I, I'm going to believe this week, and uh, it's going to start going my way. But let's start off in the SEC. Uh, number nine, Georgia, minus 12 at Missouri, noon on SEC Network. Missouri's ranked for some reason. I haven't watched Missouri football play. I feel like Missouri is one of those teams who did not, like, benefit from conference realignment because I feel like in the Big 12 I would hear about Missouri when they were, like, decent at football and stuff and at basketball. Now they're just like, oh, they're just in the SEC. Like they're like, I don't even think of Missouri when they're in SEC. But getting away from that, uh, Eric Bach, what do you think about this game? Georgia easy for me. Uh, J- JT Daniels has taken over the starting quarterback spot, so my faith in Georgia has been renewed now that Stetson Bennett is not playing anymore. So uh, I, this is an easy one for me. Georgia dogs all day long on the road to cover twelve. Joseph Dandron from your car. Give me Georgia. Also, this is a menacing drive I'm making right now. People are I, – someone just ran a red light. It, this I is mean, it, it's you not know what? I, I have – go ahead. It's Colin. not great that you're on Zoom. Just like, you, you can turn your camera off and focus on the road. You know that, right? Yeah. I have no sympathy for you because you put yourself in this position right now. So I, That's exactly how I would hope you feel. Uh, okay, give me Georgia. Give me Georgia, though. They're the much better football team. Okay, okay. Uh, we go to Nathan Stearns. Maybe Georgia. I mean, Missouri gate, Missouri allowed Arkansas to score 48 points, which is pretty hard to do. They're a perfectly mediocre football team. This is easy for me. I think the dogs go in there and whoop them up one way and down the other. 
has Georgia beaten anyone by more than 10 points this year? I can't, I don't think they had like they played Mississippi State close. Tennessee. Well, yeah. Yeah, they but like other than that, I I haven't watched Missouri. They beat Arkansas pretty good week one, too. I remember they beat Auburn too. They beat those two teams. They beat the breaks off those two teams. I and they beat, yeah, they beat Tennessee. And I don't know. I'm just I feel yeah, like they played they, kill, they killed the game cracks too, didn't they? I don't think they, they did. I don't South know. Carolina. I think they've won three or four games by 15 or 20. Okay. Maybe I'm just not paying attention. I haven't been paying attention to Georgia ever since that Bama game, but I I I, I don't know. I just I don't like 12 points of Georgia. And I mean, I feel like this is a game Missouri gets up up for. Like up up for. So I'll give Missouri. Okay, move on to the next right. game. Number 11, Oklahoma at West Virginia. Oklahoma Lane, 10 and a half, noon kick on ABC. I'll start us off. This is a game Oklahoma plays close to West Virginia. I don't know what it is. West Virginia and Oklahoma always play close football games. It seems like in Morgantown at least. So you're going Mountaineers? Yeah, I'm going Mountaineers. I'm going to go Sooners. Uh, I think that Oklahoma's finally catching their – finding their stride. Spencer Rattler's figuring it out and not turning the ball over. I think West Virginia is not very good. And so I'm picking Oklahoma. Collins, you are having a bad week, my friend. Give me oh Oklahoma. This isn't a terrible – this is pretty easy for me, too. After they blew the doors off Oklahoma State, blew the doors off of Baylor, put 62 on – their offense is simply too good, I think, for West Virginia to get in a track meet with. And after the dumpster fire that West Virginia showed last Saturday against Iowa State, this is easy for me. Give me the Sooners. Stearns, just remember what you said last week. How I, It was the dumbest take I ever had in – Coastal won outright, even though I didn't even take Coastal. People do forget that I did not take Coastal. I was just giving them. Oh, I know, but that's a lot people of talk do forget. people do forget. People actually else. do forget that. Like my buddies who listen to the podcast are like, "Good pick, Ryan. Good pick. Go Coastal." I'm like, I pick BYU, but I'm not. I'm not going to tell them that I didn't pick Coastal Carolina. But hey, I support the chance. But we go to Joe uh-huh. Dandron if he's with us. I am with you, and uh, West. Ver- <laughs> yeah, I know. So West Virginia, hey, fun. Fun fact for the listeners: was born there in Parkersburg. Wow! About two, about two hours from Morgantown. Yeah, you were sounded very interested by that, Ryan Collins. No, I was. But, I am. That's up in the so, Panhandle, isn't it? By like Martinsburg and areas. It is. Oh Lord. Stern's your southern geography. Stern's your southern geography. My stepmom was born in Winchester, and we've in, gotten a lot into of family up in the geography oh. of the state of West Virginia now. And we are in the Panhandle, out by Chesapeake, and out by Maryland. Yeah. And yep, and we are going to get away from the geography of the state. So, West Virginia. Joe, what's the capital team. of West? It is not Morgantown, I don't think. Or Charleston. There you go. Yep, yeah, it is Charleston. Who are you picking? West Virginia. Go okay. Mountaineers. That's my third team. <laughs> okay, we move into the Big Ten. Minnesota off. I think three. Did they miss three weeks in a row with COVID issues? Maybe two. At least two. The last team they played was against Purdue when they won on that horrific call at the end of the game. Minnesota's getting nine points as they travel to Lincoln to take on Nebraska. Noon FS1. Uh, We'll start with Nathan Stearns. I'm going to go with Nebraska. This is a game I'm not – I'm going back and forth on it because both of these teams have looked really bad at times, but – Minnesota wasn't in a good place before the the two-week layoff. 
I can tell you probably right now half those players probably don't want to come back. I mean, you just want the year to be over. You had a bad year. You're projected to win the West. Nothing's going right. And you're playing Nebraska for a chance to be at the bottom of your at the bottom of the West. So I'm begrudgingly going to go with Nebraska here. Joe. So, oh man, who covered? Was it Nebraska or Purdue that covered that spread last week? Nebraska. Give me Nebraska. <laughs> Great logic. Uh, Minnesota's been really disappointed. disappointing this year we talked about them I mean I was super super high on them preseason I thought they were going to be a problem I thought Tanner Morgan might have pro aspirations he might still I mean he's still got another year at Minnesota but I mean they haven't looked that great uh also I I don't get what Nebraska is doing with their quarterback situation so I'm gonna take Minnesota plus nine because I feel like Nebraska like offensively they have like zero identity which is like kind of weird it's Scott Frost being your head coach and you can't decide who you're starting like quarterback is seven games in six games in so give me Minnesota covering the plus nine yeah I'm gonna go with Nebraska only because they came through for me last week and that was one that I was alone on with Nebraska so I'm just gonna stick on the uh the Nebraska train for for no reason other than other than that and that I don't trust Minnesota is any any type of way because they haven't been playing and they were bad before they were playing so uh, give me the Huskers in Lincoln there's gonna be like a stat for like teams that have been like had COVID outbreaks and how they perform after and I'm interested to see what that status at the end of the year uh move in for I think it's like the battle for the land of Lincoln it's a sick trophy it's like the even Lincoln hat Illinois versus Northwestern at Northwestern. Illinois plus 14 and a half. Noon on ESPN2. If people remember, Illinois was a big favorite last year when they played Northwestern and maybe had the worst football performance I've ever seen in my entire life. And let a three and nine Northwestern team come into their home field and beat them in a rivalry game. Not a good showing for Lovey Smith. Give me Illinois to cover 14 and a half. I, I like. That's that was so bad. That's something you like actually don't forget after a year. I'm being serious, and I just don't think Northwestern is capable of just blowing teams out. Other than Maryland, I guess. I'm on the same boat as Collins. I 14 and a half is too big of a line for me, especially against a Northwestern team that is utterly inept on the offensive end of the ball. I mean, this is going to be an ugly game. Illinois looked a little bit better. I mean, they still haven't been great, but they have looked a little bit better lately. So that's just too many points for me to take against a team that struggles to put up 14 points a game. Not really, but they're not good on offense. Joe? So this, I mean, Northwestern is just like, I mean, I said this earlier when talking about the first game we picked. Northwestern is just above and beyond a much better team here. What's the the point spread again? I'm sorry, Collins. 14 Uh, and a half. 14 and a half. Okay. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of points. Give me Illinois. Wow. Okay, I'm gonna go Northwestern because I was gonna go Northwestern, but you guys all going Northwestern solidified that for me. I don't think Illinois. Illinois is not gonna score. Northwestern is not gonna score very many points, but neither is Illinois. And I think the Wildcats are gonna find a way to to cover 14 and a half at home. The weird thing about Illinois is, uh, like offensively, I mean, you saw this last year when they beat Michigan State. Like they have playmakers on the outside. It's just like a matter if they can get it to them. You know what I mean? Like every once in a while, though, like their offense will stall for three, four drives, and then they'll have like a 70-yard touchdown 
to baby a baby like they're wider like they, they'll do that every once in a while that's like a weird thing about illinois so the ACC for one of the better games of the week. I actually, this will be a very, very entertaining game. Number 17, North Carolina, getting three points on the road as they travel to Miami. Number 10 team in the country, 330 on ABC. We'll start off with Eric Bach. I'm going to go Miami. They've been playing really well recently. Uh, North Carolina was folded right over at home on Black Friday for Notre Dame, and I've been out on them ever since. I think Mac Brown's got a, is a good coach obviously is a really good coach to turn them around as quickly as he has. But I just think three, I'm surprised that the spread isn't more three points is seems a little too, uh, a little disrespectful to Miami. And I think that the Canes cover three at home. Uh, I, I, yeah, maybe I don't think Vegas since Miami's defense is for real, to be honest. It might be that they've kind of beaten up on bad teams, but I mean, they got a lot of talent on that defense and they can get after the passer so uh, if North Carolina runs the football, like that's the key to their success. Uh, by the way, Joseph Dandron, I believe he's going in to get his bagel. Uh, we'll ask him for an update later. He is taking Miami for the listener's sake. But, yeah, uh, thanks so much, Joe. boy, Joe. Way to be unselfish. <laughs> this is not, I, I, I have to stop in the middle this of This is comedy. It's just unbelievable. One of the wildest moves I've ever seen in my entire life doing anything in sports radio, sports journalism, wild, out of, just unbelievable move. Out of pocket. Okay, out of pocket. Back to the North Carolina-Miami game. I like North Carolina. I've been a North Carolina guy the whole year. I'm going to trust Sam Howell plus three. I think Sam Howell is better than Dierkin. But I, I, if I'm North Carolina, I'd be worried if I'm going to be able to run the football because that's really the key to their success. If they run the football, they're able to do a lot of things on offense, especially downfield with Newsome. And I think Miami's defensive line could possibly dictate that, but I'm not going to go away from my Tar Heels just yet. You said the same thing when they played Notre Dame Collins and said that you loved them and they got whooped. This is they didn't get North Carolina whooped against Notre games. Dame. Don't they ask like they 14 got points. I mean, yeah, they scored a touchdown with like a minute left. Doesn't matter. Not... You still lost by 14, buddy. Okay. You still lost by 14. Now okay. I. This isn't a game North Carolina normally wins. I think down in hard right. I got to take Miami here too. I North Carolina just can't stop a nosebleed on the defensive end of on the defensive side of the ball, and I just I don't trust them to win these kind of games. They normally don't do it. Okay, okay. I'm just surprised at that line that it's only three. Vegas, yeah, I, Vegas I, must have some inkling about that. It seems like kind of a sucker line to me. Well, I feel like North Carolina is just a team people watch and they see Sam Howell and they're just like this seems really really good. But Stearns is right; their defense isn't that great, and if they can't run the football. Like they're kind of a yeah. shell of themselves. So I, I, I think they're a team that a lot of people like. So there's probably a lot of money on North Carolina. They just see that. They're like, oh, this offense could explode this week. But, I mean, it doesn't matter if your defense can't cover anyone. Move on. Back to the Big Ten. This is a sneaky good rivalry game. Wisconsin at Iowa. Iowa number 16 in the country, 330 on FS1. Wisconsin is two-and-a-half-point favorites. I, I know. I was I'm surprised ta- I, to see I, that. I'm taking Wisconsin because I just don't understand this line. I just, it's one of those where I, it's the definition of a rat line. I think, I think Iowa, Iowa ever since like the first two weeks has really settled in. And like, I've actually been impressed with their offensive weapons and their quarterback, but I like, it's one of those things. If Iowa was minus two and a half, I would take Iowa. It's just the fact that Wisconsin's two and a half after a couple bad losses 
and they haven't looked great on the offensive side of the football. I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust Vegas. Jimmy, Wisconsin minus two and a half. Nathan Go ahead, oh, Boy, this is tough for me. I, I'm i going to join Collins here. I just mm, – it does it, it does give an odious odor of being a rat line, so I'm going to go with Wisconsin as well. An odious odor I'm, I'm going to be the rat that Joe Dandron is and eat the cheese and take Iowa. I think that um, Wisconsin has shown no life offensively. And yeah. Kinnick Stadium is not the place where you find yourself offensively. So Wisconsin does not have a good run. This is like the first time I think in 10 years, Wisconsin, I don't think has had a really just like a guy who can make a guy like break the first line of tackles once like just Wisconsin's always have a good offensive line and you kind of always expect them to have good running backs. Their running backs this year, not that great. It's just like not, it's just not that Wisconsin type of team. I feel good about Iowa minus or Iowa plus two and a half. I mean, oh, I, I, I feel I, good I, about that. How's your, uh, and Joe Dandron's back with us on camera. Uh, how was the bagel? It's uh, contrary to popular belief, it is not a bagel shop. It's a sandwich shop and bagel shop, actually, so I'm wrong. But uh, it's Jesus. great. I picked up the chicken bacon ranch. It's what I would always get when I worked downtown. I had to check in on the, the great people who own the place. Sorry. No, you got to support local businesses. But at the Wisconsin same time – Wisconsin or Iowa? Yeah, you could have done this earlier, I feel like. Yes, and you are all correct. Bach, I listened to your explanation for the uh, the Hawkeye pick, and I like that. I was – Kenick is a tough place to go play, and – With I no was one in the stands. Team, man. I, this, I is why, this is why we can't let him go last, because he takes the analysis of the three of us to, like, actually know what we're talking about. And then, so you know yeah, what? Exactly. I like that. Oh, oh hey, I didn't, I didn't like that. That was a tad. Well, no, but I want – no, and, and Bob, you know, I'm going to – I would like to respond to that statement. I was a good football team. and Yes, they are. They are they are physical, and they have a very good defensive line. And you're right, Wisconsin hasn't shown any life. And this is a statement game for Iowa, in my opinion, and I think they're going to win. It's a good pick, Joe. Good pick. And we move to the night slate. Number six, Florida hosts number nothing, LSU, plus 23. And – in the swamp, I think Florida houses LSU. Shout out to LSU for self-imposing a bowl band on a COVID year when they're three. Yeah, and five. in a bowl they weren't going to. Yeah, shout out. Like that's really gonna make a difference what the NCA does with you. They're probably not gonna hit you with anything because you're such a big program. They make the money, but that's just how this is how it usually rolls. But I mean, Florida by a million. Even though Florida last week, I liked Florida's didn't homeless. cover. They did not cover. I can't believe Tennessee did that. We were all oh, we were oh for four on that game last week. Well, they should have covered. That was a I mean, just an all time backdoor cover by Tennessee. Yep. What you got, Stearns? God, I as good as Florida is, this is a big, big line. They haven't beaten a lot of teams by twenty four this year. I mean, that's a big line. They you beat Kentucky by twenty four. You squeaked out of not squeaked out, but you you should have beat Tennessee by more. You beat Vandy by twenty one. I just can't get behind a line that's that big. I'm going to begrudgingly take LSU here. Not to win, but to cover. Okay. I, I think so, LSU's kind of given up. I, I think 24 is, again, like most major lines like Joe. this. 23, sorry. 23 Close is a up. ton, ton of points. And I don't know. I mean, LSU, they are not good. And Florida's very good on offense. 
But I just don't know if Florida can win by that much. So I'm taking LSU to cover. Okay. I think I think that Tennessee might be better than LSU this year. Yeah, I would and agree. so because of that, I am taking Florida. I, you know, they're not going to not cover two weeks in a row with that offense. So I'm taking the Gators. We real, I think as just like a whole country, just like over hyped and overemphasized like what LSU as a program was like they had an unbelievable like all-time team last year but like unless you're Bama it's almost Bama or Clemson it's almost literally impossible to reload after having that type of talent and losing that many parts from your or team Ohio State year. yeah or Ohio State yeah okay battle for LA I saw an article that said, why aren't people talking about USC for the playoff? And I literally laughed in that guy's face. I'm like, no one from the Pat 12 is going to the playoff this year. I'm sorry. Number 15, USC, lane two and a half at UCLA in the Rose Bowl, 7.30 ABC. Uh, We'll start off with Joe Dandron. Well, someone almost just walked out in the road on Michigan. Oh, my Lord. That was absolutely idiotic. But – did you hit okay. him? Okay, Colin. Sorry, I was distracted. What yeah. game? What's the line? <laughs> the game. Oh the my line lord! Is have number, mercy on us all. USC is minus two and a half at UCLA. Okay, sorry, Bob. There, I was there was someone impeding my impeding traffic. It's all right. All We'd right. rather have you pause and get a voluntary manslaughter charge. So we'll we'll, we'll it, take yeah. it. Yeah. So so bad. U- USC. I'm just taking USC. That's it. I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna I'm go. gonna put Bach out of his misery. Okay. Yeah, thank you. I'm also taking USC because they have not let me down once this year to pick them, so I'm staying on the USC train. Uh give me UCLA. I uh I like what you uh, like I think Herb Street said this last week on game day. He's like sneakily UCLA is doing a lot of things to like rebuild this program and Chip's starting to get some of his guys in. And I, I watched some of that Arizona State UCLA game. He's not wrong. They, I, I think they got a decent quarterback there, and I think UCLA for the next couple of years and going forward, if Chip decides he's happy in UCLA and he wants to continue to build there, will be a problem. Will be a problem in the Pac-12. I really believe that. Can't pick against USC after they beat the brakes off of Washington State and Utah the last two weeks. This, I think you, I think USC is a much better football team than UCLA is. UCLA is still trying to figure out how to win and how to rebuild from the dumpster fire that they were. So I'm going to go with the Chargers here. Okay. Last game, big, obviously Michigan state plus 14 and a half at Penn state, three thirty ESPN. I was telling my buddies this, I was like, I don't think they've ever not played Michigan state and Penn state, not on three thirty. And then I, and then I did like a little sidestep and I was like, Oh, they usually play at the end of the year. And it's usually right after Michigan and Ohio State. So it was just kind of like a stupid point, like just thinking about that. But um, I don't know. I, when I looked at this game, we kind of talked about it already. Penn State's looked good the previous two weeks. I think they've regained a little mojo once Clifford got back in the lineup and started to make some plays for them at quarterback. They got some good young weapons. They have a ton of injuries, had a ton of opt-outs. They, they had a lot of adversity this year. So the, for them to bounce back in the last two weeks, you're, you're going to see an energized Penn State team. But like Michigan State, they're one of those programs right now and one of those teams in college football every other week. They stink one week, and then they're really good one week. And and I'm just going to follow the trend. I think they cover 14 and a half. 
And, and I think if you have Peyton Thorne or Theo Day, whoever's out there at quarterback, it will be an improvement compared to Rocky Lombardi. And I think 14 and a half is too much because I think this, I don't think this Penn State offense is all that good. I really don't. And I think this Michigan State defense is better than people give them credit for. So you're picking Michigan State. MSU plus 14 and a half. And I wouldn't, I, I hate to be that guy. I wouldn't hate sprinkling money line here. Like, I, I think there's a chance Michigan State can win this football game. And the odds you're not yet are not bad. Just saying. I'm going to be with you on this, Collins. I think that Michigan State, I don't know if they'll win the game, but I think that they can cover 14 and a half. I just think Vegas has is putting too much faith in Penn State's last two weeks. Like, yeah, Penn State was a dump, has been a dumpster fire the entire season. And they have more talent than Michigan State, but – I just think that the Spartans, Mel's going to find a way, especially if Lombardi's – if Thorne's going to start, then give me the Spartans. Well, three for three and pick Michigan State here. I could see the Spartans winning this game. I'm not sure they will. But in an era when you have two two-win teams, both of whom have alternated utter incompetency and showing flashes of being decent, that's a big, big line. I think this is going to be an ugly game. Normally, these games are ugly. Yeah. Normally, Michigan State and Penn State's not a route by any stretch of the imagination. And Penn State, other than Rutgers last week, who folded over, they don't route anybody more often than not. They're, you, you beat a Michigan team that already stuck, that stuck their head in the sand like an ostrich and doesn't want to be there anymore and against an inconsistent Rutgers team. So I'm going to go with the Spartans here as the, well. The one thing weird about Michigan State, Penn State, I like – there's like most teams in the pit 10 are like, Oh, you remember that game? That was a really, really good game. Like you kind of remember the rain delay game for Michigan state. Like that was a decent game. Other than that, there's like nothing. There's nothing there. That's why it's always funny that they played the last game of the year. I think it's a good matchup between the teams. It, it, it fits and, and they play for a hilarious rivalry trophy. But you, when you think of Penn state, Michigan state, nothing really comes to the brain, honestly, but we'll, we'll finish it off with Joe Dandron who is still driving. Yes, this is true. I am. Um, Penn State is that is such a weird team, man. And they, I did. I mean, when I watched that first game of the year, I didn't think they were going to be this bad. And Michigan State, that's a lot of points. They can play up to people sometimes. Obviously, Ohio State was a different story, but I do think that they can cover fourteen and a half. So I'm going to pick. Penn, I'm going to pick Michigan State to cover. And honestly, Collins, I, I might take them to win too. That actually wouldn't be a bad I, thing. I don't um, hate the odds. No, no. Big Jaden Reed game coming up here, too. He had, he kind of broke out at the end when they had Payne Thorne. You'd expect that, a guy who played high school football together. But, I mean, I don't know. They've kind of – he hasn't had the year I thought he was going to have after that first game at Rutgers. It's just kind of the product of the offense. I don't think it's his fault. But eh, that's the pick em. And uh, I have a lot of games where I'm out on a limb. So, maybe I get back into the pick em this week. Maybe I go 9-0. and Watch out. I could get back into this. So don't count me out just yet. But another episode of Spartan Red Zone, Impact 89 FM will have live coverage of the Michigan State-Penn State game this Saturday. Eric Bach, tell the people where they listen to your guys' call. Well, so it won't be me this week. No. I am I'm taking off. I'm boarding an airplane in less than, less than 18 hours to go to uh, North Carolina. For some there you go. Get some nice weather. Yep, yep. Heading down to heading down to Raleigh for the next few days. So, uh, Ian Gilmore and Luke Sloan will be bringing you the game Saturday. Pros, uh, pros. Three, 
they'll be remotely from the studio, 310 Eastern time. They'll be on the air Saturday with the Spartan Red Zone pregame show. Nathan will be uh, given providing some writing for the game from home, I believe, right, Stearns? Yes, yep. I get to sit and on so Bach and Stearns, Bach and Stearns, in, Stearns doesn't have the week off, but as far as traveling goes, Bach and Stearns are off this week. And uh, Sloan and Gilmore are in. And um, pros, pros. it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And Joseph Dandron, so, tell the people where when your column will be out or recap for state news or preview, whatever. whatever you got going. Yeah, so – Hey, well, I got a got a story. Was able to speak to Shakur Brown one on one this week. So, look up that. That's on statenews.com. Good feature on him, and I mean, he leads the NCAA in interceptions with five, tied for the lead with two other guys actually. And yeah, so there's that, and then everything else can just be found online there and at my Twitter. So, going to be a good game. Hopefully, not making the trip to Penn State wasn't really ever gonna. But yeah. hey, that's okay. COVID. Yeah, it is what it is. But, uh, I mean, this might be the last regular season game. Hopefully Michigan State gets a couple more games so we can talk some more sport and football. But this podcast is going to roll on until college football ends, even if we're not talking Michigan State for an hour and a half like we did today. But uh, thank you for listening. We hope to see you guys next week. For Ryan Collins, Nathan Stearns, Eric Bach, and Joe Dangin, we'll see you guys next week.